0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves. We are still basking in the WrestleMania afterglow, but if we let know one thing about WWE, it's that the show must always go on. On to the next, and we've got you covered here on ATB. My partner from Monday Night Raw joining us as he does each and every week, KP, Kevin Patrick. How you feeling? I'm great, bud. I'm great. And you perfectly say it. The show must go on. And that
1: was the case on Monday when several of our big time superstars couldn't make the show. And look, we didn't make any secret of it. We said it on the air as soon as we came on on Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern time that some of the big time stars couldn't make it and weren't there on the night. Yet
0: we still had a banger of a show and it was so much fun. It flew by, didn't it? No doubt about it. I can't wait to dive into all things Monday Night Raw. We have got the brand new SmackDown Women's Champion, Rhea Ripley, joining the show in just a little bit. And of course, full episodes of ATB will be available on the official WWE YouTube page each and every Monday. It looks as though our ATB faithful have been enjoying looking at our handsome faces and our tired, exhausted, bag laden eyes. I feel a little human. Got some sleep last night after I finally made it back to Pittsburgh. Spring has sprung. Baseball season is in full swing. KP, I'm feeling good today. Lover. You mentioned Monday Night Raw. There was a lot to get to. Uh, but first things first, what stood out most to me, so much so that as I was stuck in O'Hare Airport yesterday morning for way too freaking long due to a missed flight, missed connection, it never really stops, uh, I enjoyed Bronson Reed versus Bobby Lashley. More than I probably should have. In fact, more than might be legal. KP, you were sitting right beside me watching all that unfold. What was your takeaway from these two Goliaths throwing down on Monday Night Raw?
1: Well, what did I say to you during the commercial break? Right, right before we knew this match was, was coming up, I looked at you and I said, this is the one I can't wait for. You know, it, it is because, look, we've seen Bronson Reed, since he's arrived on the scene, devour people. Absolutely, like, eat them. You know, like he's taken on guys like Akira Tozawa and one of the biggest hits I've ever seen in my life right there in front of me was when he jumped from the apron and flattened Tozawa into a pancake. But we've seen him dominate. We, we, we saw him at the Elimination Chamber and what an impression he made there in Montreal. Four super kicks at one time. It needed to take Bronson Reed out of that match. You see him at the Andre the Giant and, and again, the impact that he made. But you put him in a match with the Almighty and he talks enough smack to get put in that match with Bobby Lashley. And we knew we were going to get an absolute cracker of a match because Bronson's on the way up, but Lashley's all the way at the top of that mountain right
0: now. Bobby Lashley is the mountain, the almighty. What a human being. What a specimen. When those two collided in the ring on Monday Night Raw, it was special. You could hear the reaction from the WWE universe. You could hear it in my voice and yours. Bobby Lashley versus Bronson Reed was a true super heavyweight throwdown, which is becoming increasingly popular amongst the WWE universe. Look back no further, because I'll get there in a second, because I want to talk about how I was going on and on ad nauseum about how everybody was going to enjoy Brock Lesnar versus Omos on WrestleMania Sunday. And I was right yet again, Bobby Lashley, Bronson Reed, everybody enjoyed it because there's something about watching two true super heavyweights collide. And that, transcends WWE, in my opinion. If you look at UFC, some of their biggest pay-per-view numbers that they've ever done were back in the glory days of the heavyweights. You know, your Cain Velasquez, Randy Couture, Brock Lesnar. The heavyweight division now isn't quite what it once was. Look at boxing. Tyson Fury to this day. Tyson Fury and everyone wants him to fight Usyk. And you had Anthony Joshua and Ruiz. There is something about a mystique of a true world heavyweight champion. And when you see these people that you don't see walking down the street every day, it just captures something in your imagination. You don't see human beings the size of Bobby Lashley every day or ever. If you're a normal person, because Bobby Lashley is a true freak of nature in the best possible way. Bronson Reed, maybe not quite as, as vertically enormous as a lot of these other superstars, but a guy that is well over 300 pounds, probably approaching four that moves the way he does, with the agility that he does, it is a sight to behold to watch Bronson deliver that tsunami from the top rope because people can't relate. You can only imagine what it feels like to be crushed under the weight of a Bronson Reed tsunami or to have the life squeezed out of you in the hurt lock by Bobby Lashley. There's something inherent in human beings that that when you see guys of that size throw down, It unlocks something. It's just this innate human curiosity. And to take it back to WrestleMania, Brock and Omos, as big and as bad as Brock Lesnar is, and we know this, it's no secret, it's not brand new, until you've seen Brock in person, you can't really appreciate how gigantic he is. Yes, he looks huge on TV, but everything looks bigger on TV. Everything looks enhanced on TV. But when you encounter Lesnar in a hallway backstage or, or you and I are that close to him as he as he circles the ring like a great white shark. <laughs> you can't help but just be in awe. Like they make human beings that big. Double that for Omos. But the same holds true. It's why Lashley and Lesnar had the WWE universe salivating because they are two true heavyweights when they were colliding. And I still personally hope that story hasn't seen its last chapter. I was just Bronson say- and Bobby, man. It, it was like watching Demolition Derby with with human vehicles. Yeah, and, and you can tell with
1: Bobby's body language sometimes, whether he's just going to tear someone apart and be done with it or whether, like, there was something about Bobby Lashley. It seemed to me, at least, that he was really enjoying this. He was. He enjoyed the challenge of trying to lock the hurt lock in on Bronson Reed and those big, thick, meaty arms that 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 seemed nearly impossible, right? Like, imagine how difficult that'd be. I mean, you've been in the ring, Gravy. Can you imagine trying to grab those arms that probably weigh, you know, 150
0: pounds and trying to lock them together the way Lashley does? I've been in the ring, but never with anybody quite the size of a Bronson Reed or a Bobby Lashley. I, I mean, and Bobby's a sick freak, man. Bobby- Bobby lives for these challenges. Bobby lives to be told you can't do that. Here's a guy who, while he was WWE champion, was chirping online at, at different fighters. And, and like Bobby just wants to compete. The guy is just inherently a competitor in every aspect of his life. And, and he looks forward to challenges. Because when you say, Oh, Bobby, you're not going to be able to put the hurt lock on this dude. Bobby, you're not going to be able to hoist him up and <laughs> ricochet him off the ring post. Yeah, Bobby, you can't do that. And Bobby goes, Watch me. And you, you've been in the locker room with him. Bobby sits, sits near you and I quite frequently. And Bobby lives for that sort of challenge. I can't wait to see what's next. I know it drove Bobby nuts that he wasn't featured at WrestleMania. And that's okay. And I agree with him. So now what is the Almighty going to be capable of? It looks like in the immediate horizon, it's Bronson Reed. Give me more. Give me more of that two big up. badass dudes fighting for supremacy. It's not pretty. It's not going to be a technical classic. But when those dudes collide, you can't help but believe.
1: It goes back to the viewing experience, right? With something like Bobby and Bronson, that's a take out the popcorn. You're sitting down, put the feet up because this is going to be juicy. This is one that I just want to enjoy. Whereas I think when we translate and we we, we look at Cody Rhodes and where Cody's at right now, there feels like, at least to me, there's much more of that emotional investment from the WWE universe and Cody's story. And you talk about resonating. With the average person, right? Bronson Reed passes someone at an airport. The airport's always the example we use. Um, Bobby that Lashley used to be the litmus test, the basically.
0: Yeah. Does this person? And it's a not too well kept secret over the years that that the boss at the time was enamored by larger than life human beings. And the question was, will they turn heads in an airport? Bobby, check. Bronson, check. Omas, check. Brock Lesnar, check. I'm sure I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting a few off the top of my head, but there is, there is a magic and a mystique to superstars like that. 100%. Cody, on
1: Monday, we all know what happened the Monday following WrestleMania. Well, first of all, main event of WrestleMania, Sunday night, Cody's dream absolutely shattered by Roman Reigns. Millions and millions of hearts around the world shattered, as you mentioned on commentary. Monday night, he comes out. Cody, for anyone that may have missed it, and I doubt there is anybody listening that did, Cody thinks he's teaming up with Brock Lesnar. In a tag team match against Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa, Brock turns on him. Cody, that unsuspecting victim, gets absolutely battered to a pulp by the beast who said, I'm your nightmare now. Well, on Monday, Cody did for me what is the, and this is the way I felt about Cody leaving Monday, that he is the every man's hero, the every woman's hero right now. He's the one that when you sit back in a chair and you've got that level of trepidation, whether it's starting a new job or standing up to a bully, whatever it may be, There's the the angel and the devil on the shoulder, right? There's there's the two sides of it going, go on, you need to do something about this. And the other side is like, no, just shy away from it. Maybe it's a business decision. Maybe it's, I'm going to go and I'm going to leave the company I'm with. I'm going to try something else. I'm going to see if I can make this success. There's the entrepreneurial side. There's the angel and the devil again, right? There's the, you can't do this. Don't do it. No one succeeds when they try and do this. There's the other side saying, go for it. Why not? You can do this. Stand up and do what you believe in. That's Cody Rhodes for me. And when I watch Cody on Monday of last week to show up after his dreams were shattered against Roman Reigns in the way he did, and then to be pummeled by Brock Lesnar. And what did he do? He rocks up to Monday Night Raw again. There's no sign of Brock Lesnar. But Cody rocks up, clutching his ribs, still in agony after getting an F5 on the steel steps. And I just think he is a perfect example of when something goes wrong in your life, what are you going to do about it? you're at a crossroads. Are you going to shy away? Are you going to walk away? Are you going to put the head down? Are you going to sit in that comfy chair? Or are you going to tackle your problems head on? And I think for now, what we're seeing is Cody Rhodes is looking down the barrel of the camera at Brock Lesnar and saying to all of us, Roman Reigns, I see you. We're going to revisit this, but I need to take a detour and I need to handle business
0: because I, for one, will never be treated the way I was treated last Monday by anybody. Well, unfortunately for Cody, his detour may very well lead him right down in the midst of the Grand Canyon because you don't challenge the beast under any circumstance. Not a wise decision, but I get what you're saying, KP. And it made me think as you were explaining what you're seeing in Cody Rhodes, uh, I'd be remiss to not bring up what you and I both did on Sunday evening. Uh, prior to Monday Night Raw, watching the A&E biography on the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. And and what a masterpiece that was. And if you haven't seen it, stop what you're doing, get it on demand or wherever. I'm not entirely sure. I don't have all that information, but find it. It's worth watching a two-hour biography on the dream. And I couldn't help but notice a lot of the parallels. And they even referenced some in the the biography, the, the, the parallels of Cody and Dusty. But to your point, Cody is the everyman, but I'll do you one better. Cody's the best case scenario, everyman. And there's only room for one of those, generally, at a time. Not necessarily in a generation. There can be multiple. We've seen in the past, uh, Daniel Bryan occupied that space. Kevin Owens occupied that space for a while as the the relatable, all right, you know what, I I think, I believe that guy can kick somebody's ass, but I want to go have a beer with him. And, And it's not too far out of the realm of possibility I could become that. Cody, to me, is that on a slightly higher level. He is the superhero version of the everyman. Dusty was the common man. Dusty looked like the common man. Dusty spoke like the coolest version of the common man, but you can hear it in the passion that Cody speaks with in the conviction. Every time he has a microphone on Monday night, raw, the mentality is there. It should come as no surprise to a man who was raised by the American dream, but it's almost as though Cody has taken the groundwork that Dusty laid for decades, for generations and has picked up where Dusty left off. And I don't mean to to draw constant comparisons because I know it's very important to Cody to carve his own path and make his own legacy independent of the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. But Dusty casts such a massive shadow; it's difficult. There's always going to be comparisons forever. One thing Dusty never did was battle Brock Lesnar. That's a that's a different tier of superstar. And Cody's gunning for the Beast, which is nuts. And I cannot stress that enough. It's going to be fun to watch for all of us. But Cody, probably not so much. But I just I agree with you and what you're saying and what you take away. And I value your opinions, KP, because you're not of this world. You're you're learning as we go along. You're you're open and honest. You, WWE, you've been a fan, but to really dive in and and understand and start to feel these feelings uh, that most of the WWE fans feel when they watch, and, and I I agree
1: with you. Can I ask you, we, we we went for a steak afterwards, you and I, after both separately watching the Dusty documentary, which was tremendous. I had a chance to chat with Cody, by the way, on Monday about that. Um, and he had seen it before, you know, and, and and a lot has happened since the filming of that documentary and the release. Obviously, what, 10 days ago, 11 days ago at WrestleMania. That's happened since then. Sure. How, you knew Dusty extremely well. How proud do you think Dusty was? would be looking down on everything Cody has achieved since coming back to WWE. I
0: I, I don't even think I could adequately put it into words other than the fact that knowing Dusty as well as I knew him, while he is no doubt beaming with pride, Dream was always one that wanted to know what's next. Never rest on your laurels. Never get stagnant. Don't bask in the afterglow too long because it's on to the next. That was always Dusty's plan. Okay, baby, you got where you wanted to be. Where are you going now that you're there? It was never just, okay, hey, the, the story's written. Great, great job, everybody. Hats off. Let's let's move on. No, no. It was always on to the next. So I guarantee you Dusty would be extremely proud, but I also believe that Dusty would still be the greatest motivator in the world, insisting that Cody continue moving forward with this this journey, this story. And maybe that's
1: in the back of Cody's mind. And that's why he showed up last Monday. That's why he showed up again this Monday. So love that story. So the the title didn't change hands. Cody wasn't the winner, but the title did change hands, uh, Gravy, on Monday night. It was a stunner, an absolute shocker, an upset to see the Hall of Famer. And I know it was Trish as opposed to Lita. Lita hit backstage. We still don't know what exactly happened there. Alongside the man, Becky Lynch dethroned by Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez. Where do you want to go with this first? Do you want to talk about Liv or Raquel or do you want to talk about what happened on on Becky's team?
0: Well, I'm old school in the sense that we need to talk about the champions. The champions are going to drive the ship, so to speak, in the women's tag division. And I think it was really important for Liv and Raquel to emerge victorious. And I think as far as the women's tag team championship go, I'm probably going to catch hell for this. It's never really caught fire. It's never been a Very strong division. It's always been sort of a, an amalgam of thrown together tag teams and okay, well, I'm going to team with this person tonight. We have a tag title match. We didn't win. Okay. Time to get a new partner. It's always just, it's been very transient and and constantly in flux. And I'm talking the entire existence of the title since the very, the, the very beginning. Um, I think Liv and Raquel could be a duo who have what it takes to really solidify the division and maybe sit on top for a while and maybe inspire some other superstars who maybe aren't getting the opportunities that they so desire right now, uh, who want more TV time, who want promo time, but they're not getting it for whatever reason. So maybe somebody sitting backstage or somebody sitting in catering or maybe a couple people sitting in NXT are going, you know what, maybe we make a run for this. Maybe we make a tag because we haven't had a serious full-time tag team uh, in in my recollection. The Iconics were as close as we had to hold the titles because they were a full-time act together. But the rest have sort of been, hey, be my partner. Okay, we'll have a little run. Okay, okay, on to the next. Everything just feels very temporary. I think Raquel and Liv could be really good for the division. With that said, it couldn't have worked out better in their favor that they had to beat Becky Lynch... And Trish Stratus. It would have been just as impressive had it been Lita. But as you mentioned, Lita's taken out. Trish comes in. It was really wild, if you think about it, that you had multiple generations of talent in one match. You had Trish, who's a Hall of Famer, who's still in phenomenal shape and can still go. You've got Becky Lynch, who's still one of the biggest stars in the industry. And you've got Liv, who's sort of flirted with the top of the mountain. She's been SmackDown Women's Champion, but still hasn't really latched in as that that main character yet yet being the operative word. And Raquel, who, you know, no no fault of her own, is still very green in this business and is learning on the job. She's she's getting better week after week. And we talked about it on here. I talked about it on commentary. I think the sky truly is the limit for Raquel Rodriguez. And I think Raquel and Liv have made themselves a very, very strong opportunity.
1: You know what's cool is having had Raquel on this show and, and while I've been on with you at least, And knowing all about Liv and her story, it's just really cool to know that the tag champions right now are two women that have been living and breathing this industry their entire lives. I mean, Raquel talked about her upbringing and being a second generation wrestler and being by the ring by her dad's side since she was a young baby. Liv's story has been well documented too. Does that that drag out the emotion in you a little bit more as a commentator when you know their past?
0: I think it can. I think it definitely is is a storytelling mechanism that we can utilize. I mean, you hear a lot about backstories um, for for a lot of superstars. I, I think, to me, the biggest benefit they have on their side is the fact they beat Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus in the same match. I, that that's something you can hang your hat on. We talk about star making performances. Lynch is a star maker. Trish has been a star maker, and as a Hall of Famer, she still possesses that capability. Um, I think it definitely, the potential is there. Now the question is, what do they do with it? Knowing Liv, as as well as I do, she wants to be featured. Liv wants that spotlight all the time, no matter what. And that's a great mentality to have in this business, in this company specifically. When you want it to be all about you, you will do what it takes to make it about you. And I think that's the mentality that could serve both Liv and Raquel. I think Raquel, by association, will take a lot of the spotlight. And I think that the the opportunity is right for these two women to really make a serious division out of it. And I'm not, not saying just a serious run as champions. I'm saying they can legitimize and bring a lot of credibility to the women's tag team division. And I think, and I hope, like I said, a few moments ago that a couple women are paying attention going, Hmm. All right. I can't get a shot at Bianca yet. I'm not ready for Rhea yet. Um, you know what? Hey, you're you're not doing much right now. Do you want to make a run? And, and like, I'm an old school guy. I'm, I, I want to see tag teams with matching gear, like Raquel and Liv had. I want a tag team that has like a name. that's not just some weird mashup of their names. Which is God, we gotta go. Can we can we get rid of that <laughs> as a business, and not like as a culture? I'd love to, but I don't have that much reach. But as a as a WWE superstar commentator, whatever, in our business, can we just stop just putting names together? Like, oh, oh, Braun Strowman and Ricochet. Let's call them braun Like, uh, come up with a name. Everybody. You want to call this podcast Grey Pat or something like that? No? No, shut up. <laughs> shut up, KP. That was the worst idea you've ever had. I, yes, I don't know why. It, because it was a terrible idea. It was a terrible <laughs> idea. You've, you've got my eye all raised up. I worked myself into a lather, but I'm going to bring it down a notch. I'm going to bring it down... In spite of the fact that we are, there's still more that happened on Monday Night Raw that I'd love to get to. As we mentioned, it was a wild one. Uh, We mentioned at the top of the show that the talent weren't able to make it, a lot of them. Uh, But we still put on, as you said, a cracker, I believe, or a banger. Okay, cracker cracker of a show. Belter, banger, whatever you want. Belter, banger, cracker. It was fun. It was awesome. I cannot wait to see what Monday night holds, just like I can't wait to see what Friday night SmackDown holds for the entire show but in particular our guest at this time a woman who crowned herself the brand new smackdown women's champion at wrestlemania in one of the greatest matches i've ever had the chance to call please welcome to after the bell for the first time in over two years Rhea bloody ripley Rhea, first things first, congratulations. Uh, you've had a little over a week now to sort of bask in the afterglow of your SmackDown Championship win at WrestleMania. It's It's been able to sink in a little bit. It's not the immediate exhausted raw after or the week of media that I'm sure you did in the immediate wake of WrestleMania. You've at least slept a night or two in between.
2: <laughs> How do you feel? <laughs> um, I'm definitely feeling a lot more rested than I was Mania week, of course. Um, but I'm I'm excited, I'm happy, I'm I'm keen to see what the future holds, especially with, like, I feel like this is a new coming in the women's division. It's been really cool watching, like, Bianca have the title, myself have the title, Raquel and Liv, they've got the tag team titles now. So, like, it's sort of bringing me back to that time that Raquel had the NXT Women's Championship, Bianca had the SmackDown and I had the Raw, and it was, like, the new like round of women are taking over and it's just like a really cool and like proud feeling to be able to be a part of that.
1: Corey talked a lot about how this is one of the greatest WrestleMania matches of all time on last week's podcast. Corey is not the only one. A lot of big time names from Becky Lynch to Ric Flair have been really talking about this match in, in a glowing light, Rhea. I know you're a humble person, but come on. Get off the fence here and just be honest with us. Did you feel that in the moment? And since, have you had a chance to look back and really revel in it and, and, and understand why it's receiving such praise?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it is really, really cool. Um, I, have to, I have to say it's, it's epic. And it, coming out of that match, I did feel like we stole the show. Like, I feel like we went out there and you we did. left everything we had in that ring. And that's why we proved to everyone exactly why we should have been the main event spot. Like, yes, we didn't have a good build like Sammy and Owens and the Usos did. But at the same time, like Charlotte and I, every time we step in that ring, we bring the brutality, we bring the ferociousness, we go out there and we just beat the living crap out of each other. Um, so I feel like all the praise that we got, uh, it made me happy and it made me proud that we went out there and we, you know, beat the crap out of each other and people loved it. But yeah, I don't know. It's like, it's a weird feeling. I'm, I'm, I am I'm, get it.
0: I do get it. Aside from from approaching the match, knowing that you guys were going to go in there and beat the crap out of one another, where was your head at? And, and I know you, you obviously communicated with Charlotte prior to the, the match itself. And both of you guys were pretty vocal. Charlotte, I know I, I read in multiple outlets about being upset to, to an extent, to your point, about not going on last, not having that main event spot the technical main event, the traditional WWE WrestleMania main event. Make no mistake about it. You guys were a main event. How did you approach that matchup? Did you know that you were, were going to go out there with that? I assumed you had a follow that mentality.
2: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's a lot like how I felt going into the first women's war games match. Um, we had uh war games shirts and it was FTMF. Um, that's what was printed on the back of them, and that's the same mentality that I had going into this WrestleMania. Uh, the day of was a complete mess for me. I was just, like, emotionally um, <laughs> unstable, I want to say, because of the lack of sleep and and everything sort of coming full circle. But I knew that as soon as my music played and I stepped out of Gorilla and into the light with like all the fans staring back at me i knew that i was going to switch on and and that's when the rhea ripley you see comes out and that's when all my confidence comes rushing through my body and i know that i'm going to go out there and do everything i can to steal the show
0: in that moment walking out of gorilla in front of eighty thousand members of the wwe universe screaming that atmosphere was unbelievable unforgettable were you in it with the fans from that moment, or were you still so laser focused on the match that you kind of it was white noise to you? Because I've heard both. I've heard superstars in the past say both. Some people say they hear every every chirp, and some people say they don't hear anything.
2: Yeah, so I'm normally like white noise, like nothing affects me. I go out there and I just like I do my thing. But I didn't have any time to sort of prepare myself in Gorilla. Um, I was searching for water because i hadn't drank in the last like four hours so i was trying to find water which was on the other side of gorilla to where the entrance was so then i started walking over there i bent over to grab a bottle of water my music started playing and i was like oh crap like i have to go out at the start of this music because the (laughs) entranceway is so big so i was like "Ah!" i didn't know what to do and i was holding my lipstick and i was like Ah, and I just threw everything in the air and just ran to the other <laughs> side of the gorilla, went through the curtain, and I was like, whoa, it's a lot of people.
0: <laughs> that's the wrestler's nightmare, pretty almost. much. <laughs> that, the, the way where your music's playing and you can't find your boots Good. or whatever oh, it is. Awesome. I mean, that, that's at WrestleMania, Rhea. Come on. I know, now. it's only like <laughs> more,
2: the biggest opportunity of my life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting anxiety even listening to
1: this, but it, but it wasn't your first WrestleMania. And I get it. Like three years ago against Charlotte, look, it was a COVID era WrestleMania. 2021, same deal in Tampa, like what, 25% or maybe 50% Blue's capacity. 50, yeah. It wasn't as big a deal as this was. SoFi Stadium, over 80,000 fans. But you mentioned you were emotionally unstable. Was it several factors? You mentioned fatigue. Your family were there in attendance as well. What else led to you in that moment? Because I see you backstage. You're so assured. You're so composed at all times. So take us maybe inside that that that, that Rhea Ripley in that moment before your music hit.
2: Man, I was just, like, that whole day I was just everywhere. I, like, couldn't get in the zone of I'm going to be out here competing. Um, All I could really think about was how tired I was, how I shouldn't eat because my gear might not fit properly. (laughs) Um, I mean, how my family was going to get into the building, I was stressing about that. Uh, How my boyfriend was going to get into the building, I was stressing about that. And then also just on top of that, like the overwhelming feeling of like this is WrestleMania and I don't feel like I am as prepared as I should be for it. Um, I had so many different emotions going through my body. And then there was like excitement as well on top of that. I remember, I know it's on film somewhere, they haven't posted it yet, but they were asking me by the ring um, before doors open, like all these questions because I was getting really emotional before that watching Dominic like go through his entrance and um I was yeah I was getting real emotional and they started asking me questions because they're like oh she's vulnerable (laughs) let's get her with the camera (laughs) (laughs) and I, I don't know I just I burst out like crying I was just so happy and excited but also stressed out and nervous it was like a commotion of everything all at once but then once the the crowd got let in, and everything was starting to sink in a little bit more. I knew that my family were in there; they were all good because with Australian phones, my mom's not very good at technology, so I wasn't going to be able to contact her at all. And I'm super busy too, um, so once I knew they were in, I was good. And then it was just trying to get ready in time because it was an early show. It was uh, because we're on what the West Coast so west
0: coast yeah five five p.m start yeah local, so i'm not yeah. used
2: to that either i'm like trying to do my makeup get my gear ready um warm up like all these different things while trying to eat and drink water which i don't normally get to do <laughs> i normally have people feeding me like fruit all day <laughs>
0: As if, as if the victory wasn't impressive enough to know that you were dehydrated severely <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in, in the day leading up to the biggest match. of your life. Oh, no, no big right.
2: deal. <laughs> I legit, I was walking down the ramp and I'm like, I'm going to be so shredded by the end of this match because all my water weight is still, like, just going to be
0: gone. <laughs> I can't wait to see my abs after this one.
2: <laughs> it's like It's
1: like a psychologist's dream though, isn't it? That you had all those massive concerns going in. The music hits, all of a sudden, there's yeah. the eradicator, Rhea Ripley. And as Corey says, one of the greatest WrestleMania matches of all time. How do you even make sense of that? It's mind-boggling. Man, it's,
2: it's nuts. It's, like, it's weird because Rhea Ripley is like a 10-times ver- uh, version of myself that would probably get arrested like Dominic Mysterio if I was, acted like that in public. But um, it's weird because like my music hits, and that's why I think music is so crucial. Like I made sure I had a massive helping with my music because I needed it to be exactly how I wanted it to be um, because as soon as I hear like this is my brutality I just switch into Rhea Ripley and it's just like it's so weird even one night on Raw I did legs two days before right and my legs were so sore so all day I couldn't walk I couldn't crouch down I couldn't move fast as soon as the music hit for the judgment day and we started walking down to the ring it was like I was like miraculously just healed I was fine.
0: Adrenaline is amazing, right, isn't it? It's so
2: strange. And I wasn't even in that match. I was just ringside. And I was like, yo, my legs are good. Like, I could work out right now. But it's 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 weird to, like, feel and, like, see how people sort of get ready and, and snap into what they are.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of people that have different, different. it's almost like method acting. You have to really just get lost in, in that character. I, I remember even back in the days at FCW, Bray Wyatt, would disappear for an hour. You wouldn't you, you'd say hey you're at, you are like you want to tell him you had a match or you want to talk about no no he Bray's just his MIA and the next time you see him it was like I don't know what happened to the guy that walked in the building but this isn't him. It, it's like that that total mental
2: transformation. Yeah, it's wild to see.
0: Talk to me about about the immediate aftermath of the match being in the ring knowing you have achieved the goal you are on the top of the mountain as Smackdown Women's Champion oh by the way by defeating Charlotte Flair in sold out SoFi Stadium can you describe the feeling that you felt once the referee counted three I don't
2: know if I can actually describe it because there was so many different feelings going through my body I was just like I was so happy and just excited overwhelmed I could like I could see my family in the crowd so that was getting me emotional too I feel like once he hit the three like I snapped back into myself um severely was a little bit gone and it was more me um so I got to take in everything I got to look around and see everyone see like their faces their reactions and make eye contact with my mom and my dad and my uncle in the audience um it was just such an overwhelming feeling of like adrenaline and excitement and just pure like happiness I want to say um because going into obviously Wrestlemania 36 Charlotte was one of my dream opponents since I started in the WWE and I finally got that and then it sort of it I didn't it didn't really get ripped away but like the feeling of Wrestlemania got ripped away um so then going into Wrestlemania 39 and knowing that like we have the crowd, we have the stage. I'm against Charlotte again for the for a different championship. My family is there. It was just like everything came together and I was just so like full with like positive vibes, I want to say.
1: Can you tell us a bit more about the Queen, the 14-time champion Charlotte Flair? You mentioned the dream opponent. I see Charlotte, even backstage, always so professional, always so on. What's it like taking on someone like Charlotte on the biggest stage and the grandest stage of them all?
2: It's intense. It's really, really intense. She, like you said, she's always on. Uh, So you don't really know how she's going to react to things and what she's going to do. And you're sort of just like ready for anything with her. Um, But I feel like every time we end up in the ring together or anything, our chemistry is just really, really good. Like, I know that it's it's going to be fantastic. And, yes, we are going to absolutely beat the crap out of each other, but it's going to be all worth it in the long run. Like, we're going to go out there and we're going to make magic. Um, but, yeah, definitely building up to, like, the big match is very intense because she, like you said, she's always on and you don't know how she's going to react to something, which I love because it keeps me on my toes at the same time. It keeps me staying on. And I think that's why I enjoy being in the ring with someone like Charlotte, because we bring out the best of each other. Um, We're both extremely competitive people. And I feel like you can see that from a mile away while watching us wrestle.
0: When you talk about Charlotte bringing the best out of Rhea Ripley, I'd be remiss if we didn't bring up some other individuals who have brought the best out of Rhea Ripley, particularly over the last calendar year at being your stablemates in the Judgment Day. Dominic Finn and I even want to throw Edge into the mix because Edge was integral uh, at the beginning of all this. How has the Judgment Day helped you professionally and shaped you personally to be the champion that you are today?
2: Um, I've definitely learned a lot being in the Judgment Day. Uh,
0: I absolutely. I, I forgot. I forgot Priest, dude. And I that was just a brain, brain fart. I'm sorry. I, I can't. I can't. Can't. Oh, I can't talk. Omit Damian Priest.
2: No, he's he's a legend, man. He's one of my favorite people in this company. But um, yeah, I don't know. The Judgment Day, it just it works. Um, I feel like we've all grown individually within the group as well, which has been really really cool to see. And at the start, when it was me, Priest, and Edge, I feel like I learned a lot about myself and my own confidence when being in the ring with them boys um especially learning from someone like edge he's a legend in this business I loved him growing up he was one of my favorites I cried when he retired um so knowing that I get to go out there and stand in the ring with him and back him up and he has my back as well it was really really cool and it just like it brought me to this other side of the business where like I do get to be in the ring with the boys and I do get to be around them and listen to how they talk and how they do things and it was a real like different learning curve for me, which was really fun.
0: Are you talking about it in, in regards to how the female competitors approach things versus the men? Is that, is that more what you're talking about or, or just those particular guys?
2: Yeah. Men and women, I want to say, because, um, it's, it's not super different, but at the same time, like the way that they speak to each other, the way that they plan little bits and pieces, sometimes it's just so intricate. And I was like, yo, like I didn't realize that we could do something like this and it makes sense. And also like, I feel like being with the boys, we get a lot away with a lot more, um, which I was having fun with, but um, yeah, like I've now I've been able to learn from people like Finn Balor and still Damien Priest. And then also with Dominic, we've been growing in this business. He's been in this business pretty much his whole life, which is wild to even think, but just watching his growth over the last six months, I want to say it's been so incredible. And like, We weren't even really friends before this. Like, we barely even talked. We just said, hello, like, how are you? Yeah, so, like, to see how much I've bonded with these guys in such a short amount of time, it's been so rewarding and, like, so much fun. And when we're out there, we all just help each other, which is, like, wild. Like, a lot of the time you don't even see it. Like, we're slowly, like, we're quietly talking to each other, telling each other, like, what we should do or how we should act and, and, like, what... The plan is sort of thing. Um, so like it's been it's been a lot of fun.
1: To think Edge started all this and you went and stabbed him in the back the way you did. But Rhea, well, on, on that note with Edge, in ring, Edge said, I started the judgment day and I wanted to select superstars that I knew needed to be at the top and that could absolutely be at the top, but they needed to be elevated. So it's worked. And he, he has a point. When you look at where Finn is right now, Dominic, Priest, yourself, you've all been incredibly elevated over the past six to, to eight months or so. When I was watching, and this is last week, I was watching the Raw After Mania from last year, yourself and Liv Morgan had a moment in the ring where you were disgusted, you walked away. But I I, I watched the whole show and I came away from the show thinking, man, Rhea Ripley's presence, Rhea Ripley's character, everything about you has been totally and utterly elevated. Is that something you've noticed on a week-to-week basis or have you had a chance to take stock of where you were even a year ago versus right now?
2: Yeah, I feel like it's definitely elevated a lot, um, but I think it's more of like a confidence thing. Before, I didn't really know what was going to happen. Like being in a tag team with Liv, I was having the time of my life. Like, don't get me wrong, it was so much fun and we were going out every single week just, you know, going with things and having fun doing so. But I also didn't know how my career was going to, like, go. Like, I didn't know which direction it was going to head. Where now, like, I feel like I'm on this role, I'm on this good path, and it's just, like, growing, and my stock is growing, not not just in WWE, but outside of WWE as well. I feel like my popularity is, like, skyrocketing. I don't really know where it came from, but it is, (laughs) which is also, like, adding to my confidence, makes me want to go out there and just... Be the biggest menace that I can be because it gets so much attention, um, but it does. I definitely do like see how much I've grown throughout that year.
0: I, I don't necessarily know where the confidence came from either, but stealing the show <laughs> at WrestleMania couldn't have hurt. It's definitely
2: <laughs> been. But but
0: I want to I want to ask you this, Rhea. I remember when you arrived in NXT. From Australia, long blonde hair, almost unrecognizable to the Rhea Ripley we know and love today. Talk to me about your journey to becoming like your authentic self that we see now. Because I, I think it's safe to say this is the real Rhea this, that we we encounter now. This is who you are, not who you think you should be. Talk to me about that evolution. And I, I mean, it's, it's been drastic.
2: <laughs> yes, yeah, so I was really, really like scared and shy and timid when um, I first started here in the WWE. And... I remember growing up and watching WWE there was never really women that were like heavily tattooed except Lita like she was the only one really Um, but when I was growing up like there was pretty much no one when I was watching it so I thought I couldn't get hired unless I didn't have like tattoos pretty much so that's why I I didn't have the tattoos. I didn't look the way that I looked. You
0: wanted to be the clean slate. Yeah, yeah.
2: pretty much. Like I, I, I just that. wanted to get hired so bad. I was like holding off on everything and just hoping for the best. And I, I always did what I was told. I just wanted to make people happy. I wanted to do my job the right way and just like not push anyone's buttons pretty much. And that's the Rhea Ripley that you saw in the first May Young. I was just a young 20-year-old trying to make it in life pretty much. But between, like, the first May Young and the second May Young, I went through a lot of crap um, at work and at home. Like, uh, my relationship was really rocky. Uh, I missed home. I was incredibly homesick. I didn't feel like I belonged and I didn't like that and I was starting to hate myself for it. And I just felt uncomfortable in my own skin to the point that I just had to, like, throw everything that I thought was right away pretty much um and I was like you know what I'm sick of this like I'm I'm just going to be myself and if it doesn't work at least I went out being myself I don't care anymore like I don't care what people's opinions are of me I'm just gonna do my own thing and um I'd wanted to cut my hair for a long time but I was like so scared it's it's such a scary thing (laughs) and um I always use my hair to hide behind Um, but one of the guys at the PC was like, I think you would rock short hair, like, just do it. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. So I cut my hair and gradually it got shorter every single week, every single NXT show, (laughs) it got shorter and shorter. But I think I just finally started, like, accepting who I was and, like like I said, not caring what everyone else thought of me. Like, I started to get the tattoos. I made sure to get pants as gear so I could – get my legs tattooed because at the time they were like, you can't get tattoos unless they're not visible. So I was like, all right, I'm going to change my gear to pants. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Like you can't rub them off once they're on. So, and then eventually I got the shorts because my pants weren't ready in time. So I just had last minute shorts made on the day of the pay-per-view. So that was fun. So now everyone's seen my tattoos and they can't really take it back. (laughs) But um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just, it's more being growth as a human and just growing up in general, and it's sort of portrayed into my work and into the Rhea Ripley that you see. Um, it's I na- I narrow it down to confidence. It's all about confidence,
0: Rhea, It's it's you have a landline thing. at your house, Rhea. Is that what? Yeah, I, who has a <laughs> landline these days? I don't. I, days? don't. I'm it's hearing a a landline. I
2: have painters
0: here. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> it's big Zach Morris saved by the bell job. Yeah, Hello? I just had a flashback to the dinner table. I was like, oh no. no. Um, <laughs> oh man. But
1: Ria, thanks so much for, for opening up the way you did. I mean, that's that's incredibly um, motivating, I would say, for an awful lot of people watching this show right now. I, I can't, begin to move on from the fact that you still are only 26 years of age. So for you to figure out all of this stuff at such a young age, like we talk about Bianca and Raquel and breakthroughs, you're closer in age to Roxanne Perez, you know? So for for so many people listening to this right now, it's such a motivating factor that you went through such hard times. Was there any breaking point? Was there any moment throughout all of that where you you had to lean on someone for advice? Or was it simply Rhea Ripley herself saying, right, this is it. Enough is enough. I'm going forward the way I want to go forward.
2: The two people that I really, like, have to give credit to um, are Raquel Rodriguez. She was, she's my best friend. We went through so much at the Performance Centre together. We were the only two girls in Scotty's class. Uh, so we trained with the boys, um, and Scotty's the other one. Every single day at training, he would see me be so depressed and upset and just, like, question everything, and he would take me to the corner of the ring Tell me to wipe my eyes and like, just give me a little pep talk sort of thing. And he'd be like, you're doing great. Like, don't listen to people. You're doing fantastic. You're learning, you're improving, and it's going to get better. And you're going to leave people behind. And that's exactly what happened. So Scotty and Raquel are the main two.
0: You're referring to Scotty Too Hotty, Scott Garland? Yes, Right on. Well, if Scott's prognostication turned out to be correct. I think it's safe to say you left <laughs> quite a few people uh, in your dust. Which begs the question: Now that Rhea is the SmackDown Women's Champion, I know the draft's right around the corner. Everything's sort of up in the air. What's next? What is left? I want to say, <laughs> what is left? There's still plenty left for you to accomplish. Where Where is your focus shifting to next?
2: Man, just pure domination. <laughs> the Judgment Day. We We've talked about it so many times. We want to take over the WWE and we're slowly chipping at it um so i think just like for me making as much history as i possibly can and leaving a legacy that is remembered for years and years to come um that's my main goal i want to say but i think just Taken over the WWE in general.
0: We want to run this. It sounds insane. This, have a couple of people say, oh, when well, we're going to take over WWE. We've heard that for decades and decades, but nobody's really done it. But to KP's point earlier, the Judgment Day had an extremely heavy presence all weekend at WrestleMania. You may have been the one to to emerge with the gold, but Finn goes through hell in a cell with Edge. You've got Dominic and Ray, which is still not over, and two of the best entrances of all time, by the way. But the Judgment Day has very slowly and steadily crept up the mountain in popularity. It wasn't like you guys came and did something. I mean, yeah, drastic. You dropped Edge and and that, I mean, that's, that's pretty heavy, (laughs) but it's been consistency. How do you guys remain so consistent? Because now you don't have Edge and you don't have necessarily that, that father figure, that influential backstage figure who can maybe make things happen for you. It's on your shoulders now, all of you guys. And collectively you've continued to succeed. How do you do that?
2: Uh, we just take our own opportunities. We don't wait for them. We make them. Um, that's why you see us running out there all the time because we're making our own opportunities. We're making sure that our faces are seen on Monday Night Raw, Friday Night Smackdown. We're making sure people, ag- I want to say acknowledge us, but, you know, make sure that people, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: Gimmick infringement. <laughs> so when you say take opportunities, you mean like Damien Priest throwing one of the hottest commodities on the planet through a table? Yeah, yeah bad bunny
2: like that. But, you know, Bad Bunny should have, you know, stayed in his own
0: lane, so. <laughs> All right, Rhea, I got to put you on the spot. If there's somebody left that you have not yet competed against, let's just say WrestleMania next year, just just for the hell of it. What does WrestleMania next year look like for Ooh. Rhea Ripley? Oh, Someone
2: that I haven't competed against.
0: I think so, just for just for the WWE Universe's sake, just something. Or, or if there's somebody who still jumps to your front of your mind and go, I don't care about anybody else, I still want that.
2: I think one of the I one of the main ones is I want my singles match with Beth Phoenix. I want my singles match. Not a tag, a singles. But if she doesn't if she doesn't fit the mold of what we're going with and we're going with first time ever, I wanna say leader. I think that would be a lot of fun. Okay.
0: Lita and Beth are on the list and we have a bad habit here on this show of speaking things into existence. I don't know why, I don't know how, but I've had a pretty (laughs) strong track record. So I like your chances of eventually getting the one-on-one with Beth or Lita. And I have to ask while we're on this subject, it's a match that everybody's clamoring for. I know it's sort of happened in different iterations in the past, but what is the likelihood that we get the EST versus the eradicator? on a premium live event somewhere under the bright lights, champion versus champion. I'm asking for this. I can't speak this in existence. I'm asking.
2: I want this too. Um, I'm hoping that it does happen at some point. Uh, With us being on different brands, uh, it'll be interesting to see if it does actually happen. But we've had champion versus champion before.
0: I mean, we have one guy who has both championships from before. Exactly. the internet's the internet is so mad at me right now for suggesting that (laughs) let's just combine them let's do an undisputed (laughs) wwe universal women's championship i have seen that then we can acknowledge you Rhea. see it all ties together this is why they (laughs) this is why they pay me the big bucks
2: exactly (laughs) i've actually seen that on twitter i've seen a few people post about it and i'm like maybe it might happen but then i've seen i Obviously, the other side where people are like, no, please don't unify the titles. But I guess we'll wait
0: and see. Let me just say this. I I get people are, some people, a small fraction of our audience don't like that Roman has both championships and they've been combined to one. But no one's going to argue that Roman is doing straight up historic work right now. There's still room on the women's side of things to make more history, Rhea. (laughs) Yes, there is. It seems to be a thing you have a little bit of a knack for these days.
2: Just a little bit. Just saying. I wouldn't mind it.
1: And even if even if you're SmackDown women's champion, it can still be Monday night
0: mommy, right?
2: Exactly. It's always Monday night mommy. Always.
0: <laughs> there we go. Always. Well, Rhea, thank you so much for taking some time out of your crazy championship schedule. Hopefully you get a little rest. Drink some water. I will. I'm reminding yeah. you now because you may have to fight at some point in the future. So get get hydrate. Look at that. There you go. Getting hydrated. That is championship-ish there right there. <laughs> <laughs> Rhea well good luck keep doing what you're doing I cannot wait to see how this championship reign plays out and I know I'm not alone thank
2: you cheers Rhea cheers
0: guys KP, that was fun as, yeah. as terrifying as Rhea Ripley can be I like to I like to draw the comparison of Corey Graves and Rhea Ripley she's crunchy on the outside there you go what, what is it you say soft on the inside Perfectly said. Yeah, and I, I I don't know what it is, man, about me
1: and the way I'm made up, but I always seem to find my TED talk. And within that, like Rhea Ripley, what a TED talk that was from 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 the intimidation of of others and now to be able to look at them wherever they are, whomever they are, as SmackDown women's champion, and and how she's grown and evolved as a superstar in WWE. Massive respect for Rhea Ripley.
0: Long may she reign. Big style, big style. Before we go, we need to give a big
1: congratulations and shout out to everyone involved from WWE. We were just nominated for our first ever Sports Emmy For Wu, Becoming Ric Flair, so to to everybody from Ben Hauser and all his team um, back in Stanford, documentary team, Kevin Dunn, everybody involved in putting together Becoming Ric Flair. It's such an outstanding documentary. Tom Rinaldi asking the questions. uh, Top class, but to see WWE get that recognition
0: on the sports side, I think is huge. It's absolutely awesome. It's much deserved and I believe it's been a long time coming but our documentary team, second to none uh, as we mentioned earlier the the new biography on A&E for the American Dream Dusty Roads Iron Sheik drops this coming week Uh, make sure you are all caught up. Maybe we'll discuss that a little bit next week here on ATB but in the meantime, make sure you're following us at After the Bell, WWE on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. You can find me at WWE Graves. You can find Kev at kev underscore egan uh ria i don't know where we can find ria we forgot to ask her but you can find her trust me if you follow us you already follow ria ripley make sure you're listening for free wherever you get your podcast just search after the bell and hit the follow button so you never miss an episode that includes full episodes of atb on the official wwe youtube page each and every monday don't miss it we'll be back next week with more wisdom more vitriol and more wwe after the bell.